Hello and welcome to Fraud Talk, the ACFE's monthly podcast. I'm Rihanna Scoggins, the community manager for the ACFE, and today I'm joined by Jim Ducharme, COO of Outseer, a leading technology company in the fight against payment fraud. Jim, how are you doing today? Great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a really nice day here in Austin, so there's a lot to be thankful for. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, we've got we just got more snow up here in Maine, so uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> oh goodness! So, Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. You have extensive experience working with tech companies focused on GRC and anti-fraud work. Can you tell us a bit about how you got into the anti-fraud space? Uh, well, you know, I've spent a lot of my career dealing with identity and, uh, you know, authentication, things like that. And, you know, over the recent years, I've realized that, you know, identity has become really the the, the number one threat vector for how fraud happens and, uh, you know, how people are stealing your money. And, and it really just gives me an even bigger purpose for the identity background I have to really apply it to trying to stop fraud uh, in the world. Definitely. I, I always find it interesting how people got into the industry. Either, you know, they came across fraud in their work and it lit a fire in them or they just fell into it. And I think uh, I think both are equally interesting to hear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So today we're here to talk about buy now, pay later services and mm-hmm. how fraudsters are taking advantage of these systems. For those of us who may not know, Can you give us a little overview of what these services are and how they differ from traditional credit cards? Sure. So you may see this if you're shopping online and in the checkout experience, you're going to see all new ways to pay. Um, We're obviously familiar with checking out and then providing your credit card numbers um, to the merchant. and, And we call that card not present credit card transactions or CMP. Um, but now there are new ways to pay. You know, people are familiar with using PayPal that kind of looks like a credit card transaction sometimes. But now there's these new buy now, pay later methods where they basically say things like, hey, pay for this transaction, you know, in three easy payments. Uh, so they break down the payments in easy installments. Um, we see either uh, new types of companies like Klarna, Afterpay, uh, and many others offering this sort of payment installment plan. Um, or some of the uh, credit card issues are even offering it. You, you might get offers from your credit card issuer to say, you know, pay for this in easy installments. So that's what buy now, pay later is, is, is basically it's, it's like the old installment plans you, you might have had of, you know, getting the Popio pocket fisherman for three easy <laughs> payments of $33 a month. Um, with these buy now, pay later services, they can be incredibly alluring to people who may have poor credit history or for other reasons, they might not qualify for typical uh, credit cards, but Mm -hmm. that allure extends to fraudsters, right? Well, what's really alluring to fraudsters is that there's a whole new attack pattern to steal your money. Um, uh, When when a buy now pay later transaction happens and and what can be a little bit different than your traditional credit card when you're using that credit card online, you, you've already established a relationship with your bank and they've given, they've extended you a credit line and they've given you a credit card. Many of these buy now, pay later firms, you can establish an account with them as you're purchasing something. So if you're purchasing something online uh, and you, you choose one of these buy now, pay later options, you're actually enrolling, uh, basically creating that account while you're checking out. 
So what the fraudsters are doing is actually taking advantage of, rather than taking advantage of the payment fraud, they're actually taking advantage of the account enrollment part of it. In other words, establishing that account with the buy now, pay later vendor, or even uh, with a credit card provider. So what they're doing is, is they're, uh, they're, they basically can steal your identity to establish an account in your name, but have the goods or services delivered to them. Uh, so it really, it just adds another risk factor to how fraudsters can steal your stuff. Again, rather than steal your credit card numbers, which is an established account with your bank, they can try to steal your identity, open an account with one of these buy now, pay later options and complete the transaction, have the goods shipped to them. So that's what's appealing to the fraudsters is a, is a new way, uh, a new vulnerable spot in the payment method. Yeah, I think um, I think a major benefit of these services is convenience, right? Right. That's why any of these new emerging payment methods really all are about providing that flexibility of pay. And, and what you mentioned, this is a new type of payment method that is great for an underserved market of people that maybe not are not carrying around a large credit limit. They can buy, uh, maybe they don't have a, a credit card that, that um, uh, can pay for that size purchase. And these buy now, pay laters are alternate forms of ways to pay. Um, but all of these methods, whether we're talking about you know, buy now, pay later, uh, peer-to-peer payments like Venmo, cryptocurrencies, they're all just providing uh, easier ways or more choice at, for the consumer for how they pay for goods and services. Uh, but we at Outseer look at these and, and we try to identify all the different, um, I'll say, attack vectors or, or ways in which a fraudster can take advantage of these new methods to commit fraud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with, um, you know, with that extra convenience sort of comes the issue of lower security checks, right? So it's sort of a balancing act for these companies to protect themselves without risking losing customers over a lengthy security process. That's correct. And and the way I like to say it is, you know, whenever we see these sort of new methods, these new approaches, um, uh, you know, the the ways in which credit cards have been protected, um, you know, have been have been worked through for years, lessons learned from fraud attacks, things like that. Um, with these new methods, uh, the frauds just spend time finding the weak spots in the new processes. And so, uh, so some of these newer companies, even newer processes, that's where there's vulnerability, right? You know, let's, the first times you go through it, um, th- th- it's not as secure. As we learn from the way fraudsters take advantage of these new methods, we can then put controls in place to protect. But but that's really um, that's really the danger in some of the new methods is is you know well what are what are the ways which fraudsters can break in and, mm-hmm. and uh, commit fraud? What sort of security checks are in place right now for these services? Yeah, well, it depends on the company that offers it, of course. Uh, in many cases, with the established credit card companies um, uh, that you normally do business with, you know, they're using uh, some, tra- I call them traditional rails of payment. In other words, they may send uh, the payment over a what's called a 3D secure protocol. The 3D secure protocol, um, uh, especially the 2.0 version, it is a fairly recent protocol in the world of card not present transaction, the thing I talked about earlier. 
uh, i.e. when you're using your credit card, typing in your, your digits on the card, et cetera. Um, so there are some vendors offering buy now, pay later that are like your credit card companies that you would use a credit card, but the buy now, pay later happens what we call retroactively, meaning you, you pay for the purchase online and then you go into your bank and you say, I'd like to pay for that on an installment plan. So, so they're using a lot of the same controls that they're using to protect your credit card, i.e., the 3D secure protocol with fraud solutions um, like those we offer at Outseer to help look for fraudulent payments. Um, the other piece uh, that for some of the buy now pay later, what we call the direct buy now pay later vendors, um, you got to remember it's more than just the payment that's happening at the time of checkout. It's also the time of enrollment. In other words, you're establishing an account with a buy now, pay later or a financial institution to make the payment. So that's the part where you're providing, here's my name, here's my social security number potentially, um, here's my information so they can establish that account, a line of credit, uh, do a credit check to see, you know, do we even offer you the buy now, pay later payment extensions? That's where new identity controls need to come into play. And, and that's where we see sort of the, the widest spectrum of of controls that are out there, security controls we see out there, how, how secure is that identity check to make sure that it's really you? In other words, why can't somebody else just go up to um, uh, you know, an e-commerce site and claim that they're Jim Ducharme, say they'd like to purchase this product on three easy installments, um, uh, steal my identity, establish the credit, and then, and then, uh, and then make the transaction. So it's that identity sets of controls that uh, that really we're seeing a, a, a more of a spectrum of you know how ready they are for that initial enrollment uh, or what we call identity assurance check. Okay, so the fraudsters are more committing identity theft, and these buy now pay later services are their medium for for profit, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I mean, it's it's really no different than you know, uh, even before we had credit cards, stealing somebody's cash out of their wallet. It's just easier to do it now digitally. Um, and, and and what's interesting about buy now pay later is is again the fraud moves from um, committing fraud with somebody else's account, i.e., your credit card number, and and making a strange purchase. So you know, I'm sure almost all of your listeners have probably had that case of the credit card company calling you and saying, did you just buy a, uh, a train ticket in Germany? Uh, now, <laughs> if you're in Germany, that might make sense. And, and if there's any German listeners, they, they may have gotten the call and said, did you just buy a train ticket in uh, Johannesburg? Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, and you go, no. And like, okay, we thought that was fraud. Thank you. Um, so it, it's anomalous transactions, transactions that look bad. Some of the differences with these new payment methods like buy now, pay later, are that the transaction doesn't look strange because you're establishing a new account and it's the fraudster that's established account an account pretending to be you. Um, and so, uh, so that's where it sort of shifted is the fraud's not actually happening when they're making the purchase, it's actually happening when they're enrolling in the account. Uh, and that's why the fraud patterns shift so we've got to we've got to adapt to where the point of fraud is, and that's why we've got to we, you know we tend to look at, at out here we tend to look at fraud throughout the enrollment, the pay, the management, 
every part of the customer journey through managing a relationship with the financial institution and making purchases online. Definitely. I like how you mentioned, you know, the sort of customer journey is also sort of the fraudster's journey, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's what they're diagnosing to sort of figure out where is where is the weakest spot? Where is a spot that I can get into that buyer's journey, the customer's journey to understand my best place to impersonate the buyer? Um, or in some cases, even impersonate the merchant. You think you're buying something from, from somebody, you know, so that it's that whole journey that they're constantly looking at to go, where is the weak spot in the entire customer journey where they can where they can commit fraud? Absolutely. So who in the process is shouldering the most risk with these types of frauds? Is it, you know, the service themselves? Is it the, the larger financial institution behind them or the merchants? Yeah, well, it really, it, it, unfortunately, the answer to most of these things is it depends. Um, in the case of some of the direct buy now, pay later, it's typically the buy now, pay later company themselves um, that would be liable for for the fraud, um, in other words, the ones that uh, that the, the theoretical consumer is establishing the account with. I mentioned the retroactive model with credit card companies before, and that's that's a regular credit card transaction. Um, the buy now, pay later is happening uh, again retroactively. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so those fall into the same rules that you know your normal uh, 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 credit card liability comes into play. The great news for the consumer is that. Um, today, anyway, um, in, in most parts of the world, the consumer won't be liable for the fraud. Um, in some cases, the merchant could be liable for the fraud, as in the case of some of the credit card transactions. Um, the, issue, the, bank, the issuing bank, uh, who you get your credit card from, could be liable. Uh, or in, with these buy now, pay later companies, your, these buy now, pay later companies could, could be the ones shouldering the burden uh, of these of these fraud attacks, would the solution then be to have harder restrictions for account creation for these services? Well, um, more secure. Uh, you say harder, right? You know, the, yes. and and I'm kind of glad you said that because the propensity over time for security is, is to make life more difficult for the consumer. <laughs> um, you know, our goal is to have more assurance. Is this person? That's, that I'm trying to do business with actually who I think that they are. Um, uh, over years, we've, you know, when we've tried to make security authentic, this is why I transitioned back to your original question from, from an identity provider to a fraud solution, because I spent years in the identity business where, where the solutions that were out there just put more what I call stupid human tricks <laughs> in front of consumers to make that, to put the burden on burden of proof on the consumer. There's a tremendous amount of information and intelligence that we can use behind the scenes to still have a frictionless, easy, convenient shopping experience, but at the same time, provide a real assurance that this is the consumer I think it is. So what we need to put into place is those controls that provide that level of assurance that, yeah, that is Jim Ducharme on the other end of this transaction, really try and do buy a tractor and, you know, 12 easy payments. Um, true story. I bought a tractor and 12 easy payments. Um, so I use that. But but again, I went through that experience of signing up for an account, um, you know, and, and going through the entire process. So we've got to put those controls that is this actually Jim 
buying a tractor and are we actually delivering the tractor to Jim? And, and that's, that's that identity assurance, the account enrollment um, that needs to be strengthened. Um, not made more difficult for the consumer, but using artificial intelligence, using information, we can provide a high level of assurance that this is who we, we say we're dealing with. Right, we wanna add those controls without taking away that convenience for the buyer. Bingo, that's exactly right. If, if we've done that, we failed the entire purpose of having uh, more ways to pay. It's about convenience, you know, we wanna make it easy. The one thing the merchants and the banks all have in common is they wanna take your money. <laughs> they want you to transact. And so for you to transact, they want to make it really, really easy. At the same time, they've got to make sure that they have the right security controls into place to ensure that it's not a fraudster ripping them off. So can you explain how those controls work? You know, the, the identity, sure. identity authentication. Yes. Be. Yep. Uh, so identity authentication or even like what they call identity assurance now, mm -hmm. it, it really is about looking at data points um, uh, about, you know, the, I, wrote a, I wrote a white paper one time where I talked about, I saw somebody in the airport in Chicago. And, and if you think about, forget technology for a second, think how your human brain works. If you, if you saw somebody, a friend of yours in, a, in, a, in the Chicago, if you're not in Chicago, this doesn't help. You're in Austin, right? But you, you're in Chicago and you, this person looks like somebody you know, but they're out of place. There's something wrong. What the heck are you doing in Chicago? I had that experience once with, with our CTO. I saw her in, in the Chicago airport and I'm like, is that actually you? So think about why my brain did that because it was something out of place. It looked like her, but I didn't expect her to be in Chicago. A lot of these fraud solutions work in a very similar, similar, uh, similar way. We look for patterns of good and, and anomalies against that pattern of good. So for example, if I were to make the transaction online, and I showed up on an Android phone when, and I've always used an iPhone, um, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> so that's an anomaly to my normal pattern. But we establish these normal patterns of, um, it, you know, to, to provide that verification level of assurance, you know, how is this this person? Likewise, we can share intelligence, for example, um, what we do with like the Outseer Global Data Network is we actually share uh, intelligence where we know, look, we, we've seen this device, we've seen this network address, we've seen this geolocation be part of a known fraud event. We, you know, we saw this person rip us off yesterday over here in another bank, another, another merchant, et cetera. Um, so we can, we can both, we can take all this data about purchases, et cetera, establish profiles or patterns of good to, to give us some confirmation that, yeah, it looks like Jim. I used to say, you know, if our CEO showed up in a tuxedo, I would look weird because he was always wearing jeans and a t-shirt, right? If Steve Jobs one day, uh, uh, back in the day, if he would have showed up in a three-piece suit, everybody would have said, that can't be Steve Jobs, right? Because always wore the, the pattern, you know, the, the, the standard black t-shirt and jeans. So it's all of those patterns of data that we look at that provide us that level of assurance. For us at say we call that sort of a, a risk assessment. And based upon all that patterns of good and 
and risk factors that we see, we establish a level of risk. It's also in, in combination with, look, if I'm using buy now, pay later to buy, you know, a $10 item and three easy payments, the level of risk is lower than somebody's buying a $30,000 tractor, right? right. The risk is low because the risk of loss, right? If this truly is a fraud, so they ripped us off for 10 bucks versus 30,000. So that's all goes into the computation of risk of how risky is this transaction? How sure are we that this person is who we think they are? How sure are we this is a transaction that they should be doing? Um, and, and if it is indeed fraud, how much are we out? Um, you know, what's, what's the, the damage if it turns out to be fraud? And you'll see this sort of spectrum of decisions being made all the time online um, of the level of risk that a merchant's assuming to, to complete the transaction. Again, you know, they, they're, even if they're not 100% sure, they look at it and go, look, worst case, it's a $10 purchase. I'm going to let it go because <laughs> I want them to come back again. So that, that's, those are just, you know, that's a, a, I'll say the simplest way I can describe how you assess risk in a transaction, how you decide whether or not to complete a transaction or not, and, and to balance uh, convenience with fraud mitigation. Gotcha. I, I really like how you, you know, compared it to the, the sort of airport metaphor of like, would I normally see this person here? Um, you know, taking that human nature of us looking for patterns and, you know, that uncanny valley effect of this looks slightly off. So this probably isn't right, you know? Right. And, and if you think about what I did in the airport, which I didn't say is, is I wasn't sure. So, so my assurance was, was looks like her, walks like her. I then did uh, a human version of step up authentication. I said, Neelu, is that you? And she said, yeah, Jim, is that you? So there was, a, there was an additional interaction that we had that raised, that raised my assurance that it was her. I asked her her name. She told me my name. Hey, it, it is you. Um, <laughs> right? So, and you see this in the fraud word digitally all the time. We've, you know, we've seen, this is why frauds just create synthetic identities or even try to do identity theft by impersonating somebody. We're seeing this all the time where um, uh, people try to impersonate somebody and they'll get the answers to all of that so that they know what, what, uh, what the answers to questions might be or they know things that will help I, you know, fake somebody into thinking it's Jim Ducharme um, uh, that you're doing business with when, it, when indeed it's not, right? Yeah. With the, with the synthetic identity part, um, you know, with these services being so new and with them being sort of catered to a market that may not have prior credit history, it doesn't seem so odd for a new account that maybe has never been served any sort of, you know, credit to, to pop up one day, right? That's correct. Yeah, and, and that is part of the problem. You, know, you mentioned it earlier with, with folks with, you know, little to no or bad uh, credit history, um, uh, you know, or un- under-service markets that, that don't really have that. That is the problem is, is you, there isn't enough data points in the world in some cases to get that assurance, if you will. Um, so, so that's where 
that's where the problems become difficult, where, you know, is this actually a human on the other side that's creating this account? And how do we verify that? Mm. Right. That's where it starts to get difficult. And where the challenge comes to the industry is how do we how do we work together uh, to provide uh, to provide identity assurance that this actually is a, is a person. But again, if you think about it as if it's a human we've never seen, we can still use a lot of those factors of um, boy, there seems to be a lot of new people coming out of this one IP address or this one <laughs> geolocation. Either that's a big apartment building with a whole bunch of people that just that just don't have a credit history, or that could be a center of fraud, right? right. So, so, so don't just think that I have to identify it's Jim Ducharme. I have to identify, you know, is this do, what's the likelihood this is actually a human that that is fairly new to the credit industry or or is a person at all? And it doesn't have to just be with credit history. It can be with just about anything, right? It, you know, any sort of interaction that they have in the world, you, you know, library card, um, driver's license. Um, is there any sort of uh, don't take me literally, but any sort of fingerprint we can point to that identifies it. Yeah, yeah, that that's actually a person, including things like the device that they're connecting to. Is that device owned by a person with the same name or even, you know, something we can we can correlate? Yeah, I think that's I think that's really awesome how, you know, many, like you said, data points we have available to us, um, you know, what we're able to look at, how you said you know, the location or, you know, even just the, the name attached to the device that they're using. There's, mm-hmm. with our world being so ever expanding, we are also given new data points that we can use. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, the, the, I'm sure some of your listeners have, you know, put their tinfoil hats on at this point, because as soon as I, whenever I talk at, you know, all the parties I go to and, uh, these all sound like horrible parties, but um, but people immediately say, oh, my God, it's an invasion of my privacy. Look, a lot of these data points may feel like an invasion of your privacy, but it, it really isn't about identifying, well, what do you buy all the time? You know, even things that are personally identifying, but looking, you know, some of this is looking for the behavior of, is this a human? Do you go places? Um, do you, you know, do you interact with the website like a human? Or does your does your interaction look like you're a you're a burner phone sitting in a lab that's never that was born you know the phone was turned on yesterday for the first time and hasn't moved? There's data points that we can use that that still give us an assurance of is this a human, is this a person, is this this person without without too much invasion of privacy. Um, so you know that's the other piece I would say. I know we've drifted way off. Buy now, pay later. But, but it's all elements to how do we then provide that identity assurance that this is not a burner phone, this is not a bot committing fraud. We have to, we have to deal with these dimensions of fraud uh, in many cases, but especially in buy now, pay later where synthetic identity, identity theft, account enrollment fraud are the major attack vectors um, for these new convenient payment methods. Wow, I think... That sort of covers my questions that I had for you. Um, Jim, is there anything else you'd like to touch on? Boy, I think we covered, uh, <laughs> I, think we co- I think we covered a lot of ground. I think I've drained what I can today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you again, Jim, for joining us today for this podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the time. It was, it was a lot of fun.
And thank you for listening. You can find this podcast along with all other episodes of Fraud Talk on acfe.com, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This has been Rihanna Scoggins signing off.